Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm excited that those of you who got sweaters and coats for Christmas could try them out so soon. And thank you for coming out this morning. Uh, we're going to remind you just of a couple things. Uh, tonight, there will be no uh, evening service tonight. Again, encourage you to, to spend time with your family. Um, also, uh, if you are a regular attender or member, we have those Christmas card boxes out there to, to be a help to you. Make sure you check it before you leave today. Uh, they probably have some cards in there. Uh, next Sunday, there's a couple things happening next Sunday. In, in the morning service, at the conclusion of the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have baptism. You have not been baptized since you put your trust in Christ as your Savior. You can take part in that. You need to contact the church office this week. And uh, so there's some request cards you could fill out, and we'll get in touch with you uh, about what's all involved with that. But that'll be next Sunday morning. And then next Sunday night, uh, on the 1st of January, we're going to have a movie night, 6 o'clock, and then you can read about the movie in, um, in your bulletin there uh, called Life Mark. And uh, it's just a good time of, of uh, fellowship around that. And then I uh, want to remind about our missionary of the week, the Schwabes. They're, they're in the death ministry in India. So please remember them in your prayers and emphasize that this week. And if you did get a bulletin, we have one. There's other announcements and things in there. I encourage you to look that over. But we're very grateful and thankful that you're here today on, on Christmas Day. So let's bow and ask the Lord's blessing on our service. Father, again, we thank you so much for... The fact that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, that the Savior came to save us from our sins. Father, we're so uh, grateful for that, that your love for us, uh, your unconditional love for us, uh, that you would do that, take on human flesh and, and die in our place. Father, we ask your blessing on this service. Father, use the uh, fellowship time, the singing, and the preaching of your word to be an encouragement to each heart here this morning. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning and Merry Christmas, church family. Aren't you glad for the, uh, the fellowship of the believers today and thankful for a warm spirit, the Holy Spirit amongst us? And we're going to sing number 201, O Come All Ye Faithful. If you're physically able to, would you stand together with us as we sing verses 1 and 3?
first Noel. Many of our choir members were at church last night and opted to uh, watch a little bit at home since they were ministering and ministered to last night. So we have a large ensemble for you this morning singing uh, a song of Christmas, Joy to the World, from our Christmas cantata. Thorns in 
being a small ensemble, they did a good job this morning. Thank you so much. Uh, Merry Christmas. Good to have you this morning. Thank you so much for being with us this special day. Uh, we had a good service last night for our Christmas Eve service. Had a good crowd. And many of them came last night, said they could not come today. So many that uh, could not come last night are here today. But I'm impressed. Many of you were here last night and are here today, too. So anyway, thank you so much for coming. A uh, special prayer request for two individuals. First of all, Dr. Phil Myers, who is our children's church director. Uh, he's all right now, but he had a heart attack three days ago. And he had a uh, blockage in one of his uh, arteries and st two stents put in. He is supposed to come home today. But uh, my understanding, he's doing much better. So let's pray for Dr. Myers. Also, uh, John Benson, I understand, has come back to the hospital. Somebody told me this morning he had also had a heart attack. So um, uh, I encourage you, don't ever have a heart attack. They're not any fun. And so, but anyway, let's pray for Dr. Myers. Let's pray for John and God's blessing upon the service this morning. Would you bow with me, please? Father in heaven, we thank you that you're always there when we need you. And Father, when we pray for Dr. Myers and Brother John, both have suffered a heart attack, and we understand they're doing much better. But Father, they need complete healing that only you can bring. We thank you, the doctors, and what they can do, but what they cannot do, we ask that you might do in their behalf and bring healing and bring them both home. Father, thank you for this service. We celebrate the birth of our Savior. May you be glorified and honored through all this said and done today. For Christ's name we pray, amen.
That was outstanding and festive, wasn't it? It brings joy to your heart. On Christmas Day, all Christians can sing. Amen? Amen. They played on Christmas night, and we'll be, we'll be singing today on Christmas Day. Let's take our hymnal, or you may continue to use the slides, number 212. You may remain seated as we sing, Go Tell It on the Mountain. now as we sing number 196 angels we have heard on high sweetly singing o'er the plains Thank you, and you may be seated. We're reaching for your Bible, actually, and then come back up again, 
And, uh, and then don't forget, Gloria in excelsis Deo means glory to God in the highest. Pastor Rick. You do have one of those Bibles. Book of Matthew chapter 1. You didn't bring a Bible. There's one in the chair in front of you, underneath the chair. You're, you're invited to use that for the service because Pastor will be looking at verses in the Bible this morning. And if you're borrowing one of those Bibles, it's on page 1342. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to be reading out loud, and I encourage you to read along silently with me. And I'm going to be reading in Matthew 1, beginning in verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, again, we thank you uh, for this scripture and its description of the birth of Christ and uh, why he came. He came because he loved us. And, Father, he came because of our sin, and he came to save us from those sins. We, we're thankful for that. Father, help each heart here be attentive to your word this morning. Pray that the Spirit of God would move in hearts and teach and convict uh, Father, we pray that any, anyone in the sound of our voice this morning that doesn't know for sure heaven's their home, they understand that they can know that because of what Christ did for them. And so, Father, we uh, just pray for your blessing, your help this morning, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. shepherds fall who is he in deep distress fasting in the wilderness tis the lord a wondrous story tis the lord the king of glory at his feet we humbly fall crown him crown him lord of For his words of gentleness Who is he, the gathering throng Greets with loud, triumphant song Tis the Lord, a wondrous story Tis the Lord, the King of glory At his feet we humbly fall Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Oh, at midnight, who is he? Praise in dark Gethsemane. Who is he on yonder tree? Dies in grief and agony. Who is he who from the 
to succor, help, and save. Who is he who from the throne rules through all the worlds alone? Rules through all the worlds alone. He's the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Who is he in yonder stall? Thank you, Terry, and thank you, Sharon. Go ahead and dismiss Children's Church this time. Express my appreciation for Pastor Rick and Diane, who fill in for Dr. Myers on such a short notice. But again, a special program for our children. Follow the fellowship hall, where they're going to be this morning. <clears throat> Open your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 1, please. Matthew in chapter 1, as these little ones are being dismissed. More coming. <laughs> Are there any more? <laughs> All right. Um, this month, we've been focusing on the main characters of the Christmas story. We began, we're talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Then we talked about Joseph, the husband of Mary. And of course, last week, we looked at two of them. We looked at the angels and the shepherds. There's so many more we could focus on. I call the lesser lights. We could have focused on the wise men. We could have focused on Simeon and Anna. But tonight, I, not tonight, this morning, I want to talk about the real reason for the season. I want to focus the main character, the baby in the manger. The baby in the manger. Who was the baby in the manger? What a wonderful song along with the message. Who was the child in the yonder stall? But actually, who was the baby in the manger? Today, we're going to look at testimony of five different individuals given a testimony of who this baby was. We'll look at him this morning. In fact, the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. We have five witnesses that are given credit who this baby was that was in the manger, this child of Mary. Number one, the first one, look at the testimony of Matthew. The testimony of Matthew we have right here. In Scripture, we looked at this already, and we uh, focused on uh, Joseph. But again, there's two verses here. It tells us who this baby was. And that's my desire today, that we leave here, we're going to find out exactly who this child was that will worship his birth, the Savior. Uh, Matthew chapter 1. First of all, testament of Matthew, who is this baby in the manger? Letter A, he is our Savior. That goes without being said, but he is our Savior. In verse 21, 
of Matthew 1. And she, talking about Mary, shall bring forth a son, and that shall call his name what? Jesus. By the way, what does Jesus mean? Jesus is the Greek equivalent to the Old Testament Joshua. And what it means is Jehovah is salvation. And they shall call him Jesus. Read on. For he shall save his people from their what? Sins. Now, specifically, his people here are the Jewish people. But Christ did not only die for the Jewish people, he died for the Gentiles. How many can say hallelujah for that? <laughs> That's not most of us. And the Bible said he was the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but the sins of the whole world. That's yours, that's mine, that's all of us. So basically, he is our Savior. That child in the manger came here to be our Savior. Let it be the second testimony from Matthew. Is in, it said, he is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Look in verse 22. Angel again speaking, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name what? Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. So this child in the manger came to be our Savior, and he was none other than Emmanuel. God himself took on human flesh. We're going to see that by testimony of others. But basically, Matthew tells us this child in the manger came to be our Savior, and he was the Lord himself in human flesh. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Number two, now let's look at the testimony of Luke. The testimony of Luke. Go with me now into Luke chapter 1, please. Luke chapter 1. If you're using church Bible, it'll be page 1428. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Say, Pastor, why are you skipping over Mark? Mark begins in the earthly ministry of Christ. It does not give anything about his birth. So we skipped over that for that reason. But Luke also gives testimony of who this baby was in the manger. Look in verse 30, please. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. In verse 30, it says, The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, the same he said with uh, Joseph. But verse 32, first of all, and the next thing we know about the child, that he is the son of the highest. That he is the son of the highest. Verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. The word highest means the most high God. This child in the manger was the son of the most high God, the God of the Old Testament. And interesting, since a son bears a father's qualities, calling a person a son was a way of signifying equality. Here the angel was telling Mary that her son would be equal to the most high God. Verse 33, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 34. Then, shall, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? In verse 35, the next thing we know about this child, 
Verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall be come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called what? The Son of God. So the second title given to this baby, not only the Son of the Highest, the Most High God, but here the Son of God himself. So that's Luke's testimony. Matthew's testimony, the child will be the Savior of the world, and also he was Emmanuel, God with us. Luke said he was the Son of the, of the Highest, the Most High God, and also that he was the Son of God himself. Number three, number three. Let's look at the testimony of John. Skip over to the Gospel of John, please. We saw Matthew's testimony and Luke's testimony. The third testimony we have is the Apostle John, chapter 1, please, page 1483. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you're using a church Bible, again, page 1483. Look at verse 1, please. John 1, verse 1. Here we have an interesting title given to the Lord Jesus. In verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the what? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Interesting. Why is he called the Word? Our words are verbal expression of our invisible thoughts. Jesus is called the Word because he's the invisible expression, excuse me, he's the visible expression of the invisible God. He is the visible expression of the invisible God. He's called the Word. And John speaks of four things concerning this baby in the manger. Number one, letter A, he talks about his preexistence. He did not come into existence in Bethlehem. The Bible says he always was. Look again in verse one. He existed before all time and creation. This baby in the manger existed before all time and creation. Verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning means before all time and creation. Before God ever spoke the world in existence, guess who was there? Jesus Christ was there. In the beginning was the Word. He existed before all time and creation. And next, he's from everlasting to everlasting. This child born in the manger existed before all time and creation, but also he's from everlasting to everlasting. Let me quote this for you. In Psalm 90, verse 2, listen to this verse. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Let me test your Bible knowledge. Of the Godhead, there's three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Which of the three persons is the one who created this earth? The second person, Jesus Christ. He's the one who spoke this world into existence. And he was in the beginning, was the word. In other words, he existed before creation ever came into existence. Before, where there's all any time, he existed. He's from everlasting to everlasting. A verse many of you know, in fact, I noticed many of the Christmas cards I received had this verse on them, Micah 5.2. Listen to this verse. Many of you know it. Do not need to turn there. It says, But thou Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall, come, shall he come forth unto me, that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth 
have been from of old, from everlasting. This child that was born in Bethlehem, whose goings forth, it means whose origin was from old, from everlasting, it speaks of the eternal existence of the Son of God. He always was, he always will be. The book of Revelation, the first and the last, Alpha the Omega, he, he came and he had no time he came into existence because he always existed before time and creation. He's from everlasting, everlasting. So we saw his preexistence. Now, next, look at his presence. Go back to John, please. Back to John, unless you're still there. Prior to his incarnation, he was present with God the Father. When I use the word incarnation, I'm referring to his enfleshment. Prior to him taking on human flesh in the form of a baby, he was present with God the Father. It says in verse 1 again, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word, and here we'll look at this next part, the Word was with God. The word with means in company with, the idea, the quality, intimacy, face to face with each other. He was with the Father. In John 17, verse 5, leave the verse on the screen. Jesus was speaking here. He says, Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee, when? Before the world was. In other words, he existed prior to the incarnation. He was with his Father in heaven before he came to this earth. Now, in his carnation, number two, he made his presence with mankind. Now, prior to his incarnation, prior to becoming a human baby, taking on human flesh, he existed in heaven with his father. But in his incarnation, when he became a man, a baby, he made his presence with mankind. Now, John chapter 1, look in verse 14, please. Here we see that title again. We saw in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and verse 14. And the word was what? Made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This child, referred to as the world, existed prior to his incarnation with his father, but he now, his presence is made with men. He came to dwell among men in, in, in his fleshment. We saw his preexistent. His presence, number, letter C, now his person. Now we'll talk about who this child was. He existed prior to creation, prior to any time, and also he existed with his Father in heaven. Now his person. Who was this child? Look again in verse 1 of John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and he goes on to say, and the Word was God. Interesting. Have you ever heard of the Jehovah Witnesses? One of the character traits of cults, which Jehovah Witnesses is a cult, is they deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And what they've done over the years, when they find a Bible verse that contradicts what they believe, they change the verse. In fact, they added a pronoun here, an article in this verse. And let me tell you how their Bible says, uh, it says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. 
they add that little article and they actually create another God beside the God of the Old Testament. But the Bible clearly says, in the beginning was the Word. He, well, the Word was with God and the Word was God. You say, Pastor, how's that possible? How can a person be with somebody and be that same person? That is a divine mystery. It's called the Trinity. We don't know exactly how to explain it, but the Bible clearly teaches that. There is one God who exists simultaneously in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are three distinct persons, yet the Bible says they are one. Taught throughout the Bible, the Trinity. And here we see the Son and the Father. In the beginning was the Word, that's the Son. And the Word, the Son was with God, the Father. And the Word was God. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, listen to what it says. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. By the way, when did God take on human flesh? When did God become a man? The baby in the manger. Remember, that was Emmanuel, God with us. So his person, number one, he was God. The Bible clearly teaches that. Wish we could spend more time on that. But also, number two, he was fully God and fully man. He was fully God and fully man. In Colossians 2.9, I believe the verse will be on the screen. It says, in, for in him, to about Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, what? Bodily. Some people said he was 50% man and 50% God. No, he was not. He's 100% God and 100% man. Amen. He is the God-man. And for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was fully God and fully man. That's his person. Letter D. Now, we saw his preexistence, his presence, his person, and again, John now talks about his power. This is the power of the baby in the manger. First of all, let, number th verse 3 of John 1, verse 3, he created all things. This baby who took on human flesh in the manger, born of Mary, was the one who spoke this world into existence. In uh, John 1, verse 3, it says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was what? made. All creation was brought into existence by this child prior to his incarnation. He's the creator of the universe. N number two, he spoke the world into existence. He spoke the world into existence. Verse 10, John 1, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Notice clearly this child's power existing prior to incarnation with his father, he was the one of the Godhead who spoke the world into existence. If you read Genesis 1, chapter 1, you see God said, let there be light, let there be this. He spoke the world into existence. That one of the, the Godhead was Jesus Christ. The Bible said he's the creator of all things. Without him was not anything made that was made. So that was the one who brought this world into existence. That's his power. Number four, 
the fourth testimony. The first one was Matthew. The second one was Luke. The third one was John. Now, look at the testimony of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Go with me, please, in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. Be page 1657. You have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So you know you're close. You find one of those. Colossians chapter 1. Look what the Apostle Paul said about this baby in the manger, who this individual was. First of all, the Bible says he is the exact image of the invisible God. The invisible God was the Father. But Jesus Christ was the exact image of of the Father, or the invisible God. Verse 15 in Colossians 1, please. He said, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? The word image means the exact likeness, a perfect representative, implying being identical in nature and essence. In fact, interesting, in John 14, listen to this verse. Philip saith unto Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it will sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you, thou hast not known me? Philip, he that seen me hath seen the Father. To see Christ was seen the Father. He was the exact image of God, God the Father. And it says the firstborn of every creature. What does the word firstborn mean? This does not refer to time, but to positional rank. Basically, he's sovereign and over all creation. Jesus Christ, Paul said, was the exact image of the invisible God. Letter B. Again, the testimony of Paul concerning this baby in the manger. And this goes right along with what John said, that he is the creator of all the universe. We have this again in the book of Colossians. Paul said this baby in the manger was the creator of all the universe. In verse 16 of Colossians, it said, For by him, come about Jesus Christ, or how many things? All things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities, talking about angels or powers, all things were created by him and what? For him. This baby in the manger was the exact image of the invisible God, and he was the creator of all the universe. He created the angels. He created the heaven and the earth. He is the creator. And let us see, not only is he the creator of the universe, he's the sustainer of the universe. The sustainer. Look in verse 17, please. Verse 17. It says, verse 17, and he is before all things. Again, talking about his preexistence. Before all creation, he existed, exactly what John said, and by him all things, what? Consist. I remember when I was in high school studying atoms. If I remember correctly, atoms are made up of three components. Electrons, neutrons, and protons. And basically, they talk about how they are kind of, you know, they get hot, they kind of spin around like that. One thing scientists don't know what holds them together? We know what holds them together. Jesus Christ does. <laughs> He's the one all things consist. That's what the Bible says. He's the creator and the sustainer of the universe. 
he just let go and all matter would cease to exist. Go with me now to Hebrews, please. Keep your finger in Colossians. Hebrews chapter 1, page 1682. We see that Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, said the same thing concerning this baby in the manger. The creator, the image of the exact image of the invisible God and the sustainer. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, please. Hebrews 1, verse 1. Again, we'll talk about who was the baby in the manger. And the testimony of four so far. Hebrews 1, verse 1. Many people believe, and I believe, that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but we don't know for certain. It does not tell us. But whoever it was, look what he said. An inspiration of the Spirit of God, verse 1 of Hebrews, chapter 1. God, who at sundry times in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in his last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom, read on, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, notice here, and by whom also made the what? World. Same thing Paul said, same thing John said. He made, the, he created the worlds. We know. Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Again, he's the image of the visible God. Read on. And upholding all things by the word of his power. The word upholding has the idea of consisting. Preserver and sustainer of the universe. Right here in one verse, he existed prior. Uh, he, when he made the worlds, he's expressed image of the, per, uh, the invisible God and upholds all things by the word of his power. He's a sustainer. All right. Who, who, what testimonies have we heard so far? Matthew, Luke, John, and who else? Paul. Now, the last one, the testimony of Jesus himself. Go with me now to John 8, please. John chapter 8. Did, did Jesus Christ himself ever claim to be God? Did he ever come out and say that I am God? We're going to see an amazing statement made by him. John 8, verse 56, please. John 8, page 1501. You can let go of Colossians, let go of Hebrews. John 8. First of all, Jesus Christ said he existed. He was before Abraham. He was before Abraham. In verse 56, speaking to the Jews, said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw and was what? Now, listen, please. What day... Did Abraham see about Jesus Christ, rejoiced in and was glad about it? The day of Calvary. <laughs> Do you realize Abraham knew the gospel? In Galatians chapter 3, he said he knew the gospel. He knew that Christ would come and pay for us. And they, they believed that Christ would come. We believe he did come. But everybody's ever been saved by, saved by faith in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. But notice here, Jesus Christ existed before Abraham. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad, but read on. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? The cow responded. Jesus saith unto them, verily, verily, which means truthfully, truthfully, I say unto you, before Abraham was, 
I am. So now, letter A, he was before Abraham, but write this in, please. Letter B, he is the great I am. Jesus Christ is the great I am. The word I am, the utterance is a remarkable one. It denotes a continued existence without respect to time. We divide time in the past, present, and future. The expression I am denotes he does not measure his existence in this manner, but the word expresses a continued unchanging existence. He always exists in the presence. Divinity is, has no past tense, no present tense, but always the present tense. He said, I am. Now, let me test your Bible knowledge. Where do we first see that phrase, I am at? We're going to find out who Jesus claimed to be. You remember in the book of Exodus chapter 3, do not turn there unless you want to, Exodus chapter 3, when Moses was wandering through the wilderness and he saw a bush that was burning yet not being consumed. And he walked up to see the bush, not being consumed. And all of a sudden, a voice spoke out of the bush, said, Moses, take off your shoes. You're walking on holy ground. And there's a conversation between Jehovah and Moses there. And it said in verse 13, basically, uh, God there told Moses, I've chosen you to lead my people out of the bondage of Egypt. In verse 13 of chapter 3, and Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me to, unto you. They shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent you me unto you. Listen, please. When Jesus said, I am, when he said that I am, he was claiming to be the person who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. He was claiming to be the God of the Old Testament also. Equal that. Now, if that was true, from the Jewish perspective, that would be blasphemy because he claimed to be God. We know exactly that's what they understood because the very next verse, they picked up stones to stone him because he was claiming to be God. He is the great I am. Now, listen, please. Here's a song, one of my favorite ones. I think... Uh, uh, we heard it the other day. Mary, did you know? Listen to the words of this. It's a Christmas song written by Mark Lowry. It said, Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels have trod? And when you fish, excuse me, when you kiss your little baby, you have kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is the Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Exactly what Scripture is teaching. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, so who was the baby in the manger? Let me review, and we'll wrap it up here. Go ahead and turn to, the verse for, turn to Romans, please. 
when you finally look up here, then we'll review what we talked about, who the baby was in the manger. Romans chapter 10, page 1593. We'll close with this verse. Once you find it, look up here, please. So I know that you got it when you look up here. Romans 10. So who was the baby in the manger? According to Matthew, he is Emmanuel, which is God with us. According to Luke, he is the Son of God. He is the Son of the Most High God. According to John, he is the living word. And in the beginning of all time and creation, he was with God. He was, in, he was and is God and was made flesh and dwelt among men. According to Paul, he is the exact image of the invisible God. He's the creator and the sustainer of the universe. According to Jesus himself, he is the great I am. Do you believe that? Is that important to believe? Look here in in Romans chapter 10, please. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. In fact, believing that is a requirement for man's salvation. Romans 10, verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What does that mean? Confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus. What that literally means, confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is God. Do you realize you cannot be saved and deny the deity of Christ? The deity of Christ is a fundamental of faith. And to go to heaven, you must believe who he is that he is God in the flesh, and believe that God raised him from the dead. In verse 10, For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The word confess means to say the same thing to agree with. The confession is acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is God, and that he was raised from the dead. These are not two separate steps to salvation. They are chronologically together, Salvation comes to acknowledging that Jesus is God and believing in him as your Savior. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure I believe that. John chapter 8. Listen, do not turn. I'm reading this verse to you. Jesus speaking to the Jews. He said, I say therefore unto you, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. Wow. What that verse is saying that if I do not believe that Jesus Christ is the great I am, that I'll die and go to hell. Wow, what a statement. That's what Jesus said. So if you're here today and you're not certain heaven's your home, two things together you must do. You must acknowledge who Jesus Christ is, that he's God in the flesh. And he came to this earth for one reason, to die and pay for your sin. He was buried and he rose again. Close your Bibles, please. Look up here. Someone some time ago asked me, why did God become a man? The Bible says God is spirit and spirit cannot die. But the God of heaven says that soul that sinneth, it must die. And so he did not want you to die and pay for your sin, which means you have to go to hell to do it. You know what he did? He provided a substitute himself. And God himself took on human flesh. Why? To die. In his spirit, he cannot die. But he came to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He came to die in your place to pay for your sin. He was buried in and rose again. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth that he is God. And believe that he was raised from the dead. Thou shalt be what? Saved. 
So a, a requirement for salvation is you and I, first of all, acknowledge that Jesus Christ was who the Bible said he was. Matthew, Luke, John, Paul, and Jesus himself, all five of them told us who he was, that he was God in the flesh. And he took on flesh to die for you, to pay for your sin. He died for you. He was buried and rose again. And he lives today and offers you eternal life as a free gift. I don't know about you. I like Christmas, don't you? This morning we got together with my daughter and our grandchildren. We opened gifts. And we got in the tree. We passed out all the gifts according to the name. I had several of my name on them. Even though I'm pushing 70, I still get excited about a gift with my name on it. But, you know, there's a gift that God has with everybody's name on it. That gift is Jesus. And he came to this earth to die for you and made a payment for your sin, was buried and rose again. And he offers you the gift of eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the what? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And when you receive Christ, you receive life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And so if you receive Christ, my friend, heaven's your home. Rejoice in that. But if you haven't, why not do it today? Let's bow together, please. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please. All this month, we were focusing on the main characters of the Christmas story. We saw that of Mary, that of Joseph, that of the angels, and that of uh, the, the shepherds. But we finished up today with the most important of all of them, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and who he was, even as a babe, in the manger. And the Bible clearly tells us over and over again that he was Emmanuel. He was God with us, who came to this earth to die for our sins so we can go to heaven. My friend, has there been a time in your life you understand, understood who Jesus Christ was and trusted him to be your Savior? If not, why not do that today? Why not right where you're at, in the quietness of your mind, talk to God and place your trust, your dependence upon Christ to be your Savior, thereby you might have eternal life and a home in heaven. It's not obtained by good works. It's not obtained by trying, but by trusting. It's not obtained by doing, but resting upon what Christ has already done. And why not right now trust him to be your Savior? Rely upon him as one who died for you to give you eternal life. And the Bible says, the God who cannot lie, that he will forgive you and give you a home in heaven as a free gift, purchased at the expense of his son. If you have never done that before, why not do it right now? Why not talk to God in your own thoughts and maybe say something like this? Just say, dear God of heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe your son, Jesus, took on human flesh and came this earth to die for my sins. I believe he died for me, was buried, and I believe he rose again. And right here today, realizing I cannot save myself, I'm trusting Christ to save me, forgive me, and to give me eternal life. I'm trusting Christ my Savior right here today. As heads are bowed, knives are closed. My friend, did that make sense to you? Did you trust Christ as your Savior today? If you did, according to the Bible, right now, heaven's your home. But I get excited when I see someone else make that decision. 
I'd like to pray for those who made that decision this morning. So with heads bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around, no one leaving, if what I said made sense to you and you prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, and allow me simply to pray for you, I'm not going to point you out or have you forward, and I'm going to uh, embarrass you anyway. I'm going to do this with heads bowed and eyes are closed. But if what I said made sense and you trusted Christ your Savior, would you write that we had to simply raise your hand and put it back down? Pastor, here's my hand. I trusted Christ as my Savior. Would you pray for me? Shove it or high and put it right back down. Pastor, that made sense to me. I trust God. bless you. Yes. Anyone else quickly? Pastor, that made sense to me. I also trusted Christ. Would you pray for me? Anyone else real quickly? Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this one. For the occasional hand indicated that he's trusted you as Savior. Heaven is now his home. And that's your promise to him. We rejoice in that fact. What a great day to make a decision for Christ. It's on Christmas Day to celebrate the birth and also the death of Christ. Father, I pray now your blessing upon each home, each family, each individual here today that came to worship you on the celebration of your birth. Father, bless each home and give us a wonderful uh, rest of this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.